I've been talking a lot over the last two or three weeks, especially two weeks ago, about what happens when we refuse to take the anointing, the anti-anointing. We talked a lot that morning about the spirit of antichrist. The word Christ means anointed. So the antichrist message is a, is a message of anti-anointing. Trying to get believers. In the lost world, he's trying to get people to refuse Jesus Christ. But within the church, having already received Jesus, what he's trying to do is to get us to receive Jesus without his anointing. Because then we have a Savior, but he has no power. We have a Savior, but he can't transform. We have a Savior, but he can't heal. We have a Savior, but He's very limited in what He can do. That's the spirit of Antichrist that's, a, that's working in the church today to try to get us to just accept Jesus without the anointing, without the power, without the transforming reality. And how it leaves us, two weeks ago, what we talked about, how it leaves us is that we have to become our own Holy Spirit. We have to do for ourselves those things that the Holy Spirit was given to do. We have to comfort ourselves when we're in times of difficulty. We have to find our own company when we're lonely. We have to solve our own problems because we don't have the wisdom that the reality of the anointing brings to us. Most of us have walked that journey some, maybe a lot. Yes, I'm saved, but I still feel very alone. Yes, I'm saved, but I don't feel his presence. Yes, I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven but I don't feel any power, I don't feel any different now than I did before. That's because we have had to become our own Holy Spirit. That Sunday morning, several came asking, talking about wanting the Holy Spirit in their life. I didn't ask Shorty's permission. I went to his shop one day because he had a question for me. And we sat there a little bit and talked about what it means. How do we know? Again, I share this a lot about salvation. I want you to know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and someday going to heaven. But I also want you to know that you know that you know that you know that you have the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that. I don't want you to wonder about it. I don't want there to be questions. So how do we settle this? How do we get to the point where we know the re that reality about ourselves? Because when we look at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given... We see some things there that were tremendously dynamic. We see fire, we see tongues, we see all kinds of things. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues, I'm talking about the flames that look like a tongue over their heads. If I remember correctly, within, throughout the New Testament, that was never repeated. Why? Because that was a, I want to say this correctly, I don't want to minimize anything, but that was a lesser sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the magnificent reality that the Holy Spirit would bring every day. That was for a time and a period upon this announcement of His coming. So we shouldn't live today thinking that our, that our encounter with the Holy Spirit is necessarily going to automatically mean that there's a flame of fire over my head. Though it'd be pretty cool. Wouldn't that be something? Man. Have to be careful where you, when you went into a room. I am uh, very confident and I truly believe that as church, not this church, but church in general across the world, especially maybe in America, that we have lost sight of what's possible. When one man or one woman or one boy or one girl 
is willing to simply be the conduit through which the power of God can fall on mankind. You see, I think we've lost sight of that because somewhere I believe that we have assigned that very dynamic of the Holy Spirit to a privileged few, at least in my life. And you may have others in yours, but when I look around on the globe today and I see those people like Heidi Baker and I hear her testimony about when she was 16 years old and she received her salvation on this Indian reservation as a student there and and she she was saved. She went to a revival and was saved. And on the next day, the she calls them the holiness people. God holds her and says, you need to be, you, you need the Holy Spirit. So on one day she was saved. On the next day she received the Holy Spirit. And she has this full manifestation of God in this moment when the Holy Spirit falls on her. And she says, I'm rolling up and down the aisles. She says in her testimony, I was truly a holy roller. So I look at people like that. I look at people like Bill Johnson at Bethel. I look at those people who stand out in our world today and it's almost like we have can assign that kind of dynamic just to a very small few and we have lost sight of what's possible when one man one woman one boy or one girl but especially when one church will recognize that what God's desire is to have a conduit between him and the needs of mankind what is possible and we've lost sight of it and i'm hoping this morning to bring that a little bit back into focus because there is on one hand we recognize this we sing the song about god and his nature there's peace like a river there's joy like a fountain there's love like an ocean there's power and there's majesty and there's might on this hand And then we look at the world and all the many multiple needs that we see in the brokenness of man and the broken hearts of people. And we see this. So what do you think makes sense? If this is real and this is real, what do you think God's looking for? Some means by which this can get here. Who was designed to be that means by which his power can reach the depravity of man? Right here. Any man, any woman, any boy or girl who was willing to be that conduit. I want to tell you, all that is needed is that conduit by which that great love can reach this great emptiness. In the oil field, we understand these terms pretty well. But in this conduit, when it is clean, when it is straight, when it is empty... Whatever is here can reach here very, very quickly. But every obstruction you put in that conduit will slow that down. And in many times, if it gets so congested, sometimes with those things that are in us that we certainly still recognize as sin, but more often in us, what fills the place within that conduit that causes the flow not to go is religion itself. The busyness that we have created in the name of God that we feel very justified to hang on to and all it does is obstruct the flow between God and the needs of mankind. We read about it in Paul and, and in Barnabas. We read about it in the New Testament in Timothy. We read about it in the disciples. We read about it in the deacons when they were first chosen 
when Stephen and that group was chosen to be deacons, we read about it in Jesus himself because every one of those men were men of, great, of greatness, of great character, and of great strength. Each one of those men was also marked with attacks and battles. However, and get this however, each one knew that true greatness came from one characteristic. There was only one thing that set those people apart, and I would even tell you that also includes Jesus. The one thing that every one of these men had in common was that they were filled with the Spirit of God. They were willing vessels, the conduit by which the Spirit of God could be released in the world. Every one of those men, and I can take you to the Scriptures and show you specifically, in each one of those, they were filled with the Spirit of God. That attribute, that characteristic that makes them stand out in the reality of history was not that they were great men. There's been many great men. There's been great men of character and great men of strength. But these people are talking, we're talking in terms of things happening in them and around them that defies human limitations because they were functioning at a level above what human limitations would ever allow. They were seeing people come to life. They were seeing miracles done. They were seeing transitions and transformations. They were seeing things that were not explainable in the terms of what humanly we can do. It, the, the characteristic and the quality of their life had to be defined by something that they couldn't find within themselves. Had to be placed in there and we know what it was. He didn't keep it a secret. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to listen to this as carefully as I can say it. I have no desire this morning or any other time for anyone in this church to be an imitator of any of those men, including Jesus. I do not want any of us to be imitators of those men. We have taught for a long time that what it means to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Look at what he does and do those things. And all it did was create a new form of religion with us trying to do what Jesus would do. And Jesus would confess of himself, without the Father I can do nothing. Why in the world would you want to imitate me? We must choose as they chose to be filled with that same spirit. When we look at them and marvel, when we look at them and are, are just amazed by what happened at the ends of those human hands, we can't imitate what they did. We have to do as they did and be filled with the Spirit of God. That self-same Spirit that filled them has a desire today to fill us. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. While you're getting there. If, if I could just speak from God's heart to us this morning, I would say with great clarity and great determination that God is eagerly searching for that man, eagerly searching for that woman or that boy or that girl or that church who will desire to be the receivers and the conduit between his power and mankind. He's looking this morning for those people. He's looking. Before I read this, a few years ago, Beverly came into my office and there's, uh, there's a little set of 
train cars sitting on my shelf. And Beverly came in two different times. And each time with revelation and messages, visions that have just powerfully stabilized but changed what I'm thinking. One of those was a, was a, a picture in her mind of a train that was coming into a station. And the station was full of people. But the train would pull up and only one or two or maybe three would get on. And the train would take off and leave most in the station. And the train would make this circle and come back in and one or two would get on. And I knew when she shared it, this reality for me and the reality for us is that God is giving me a calm because I would love for everybody on the sta- in the station to get on this Holy Spirit reality at one time. I would love for everybody in this church to just, I could snap my fingers and the reality of the Holy Spirit would be in their life. The desire to be filled would be there. The, the manifestations of the Spirit would be there. I would love to do that, but God's promise is this. One or two are going to get on at a time. So I'm excited this morning about the one or two that will join if that's, the, if that's what happens. I can tell you because right now we've been at this long enough that there are many sitting here this morning who've already stepped onto that train and truly believe that the dynamic difference of our Christian life is no longer how hard I work, how many classes I teach, how often I attend church and go to Sunday school, that the, the true greatness and the difference in the Christian life is the reality of the Holy Spirit. Remember, I hate to go back through this again, but simply remember that if I'm, if I'm holding a cup and I need a drink and the cup is dirty, what do we instinctively know to do? Wash the cup. Yeah, wash the cup. You're right. Rinse it out. The blood of Jesus came to clean the cup. To deal with that which was dirty inside of it. His blood came. He came to clean the cup. But that clean cup won't quench my thirst. What has to happen to the cup before it will accomplish that which, which, which until it can accomplish that which for, for which it was intended. Boy, that was tough. <laughs> Almost broke into tongues right there. <laughs> what has to happen for that to do anything that's truly satisfying? What happens? It has to be filled. It has to be filled. You see, we're getting it. And I'm excited about that reality because someday when this church as a corporate body is filled with the Spirit of God, something dynamic, something brand new. Elaine read it. I'm doing something brand new. Ephesians chapter 15. I don't believe that God has repealed this verse. Beginning with verse 15, Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another 
in the fear of God. Let me read verse 18 again. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't believe God has repealed that verse. If he hasn't removed it, it has to be real for you and I today. And I believe that when we as believers receive that same spirit, that it was even spoken of about John the Baptist before he was born, then we too will be able to do as he did. Luke 1 verse 17. I'm going to go ahead and read it if you want to mark it down. This is about John the Baptist. And he shall go before him in the spirit. Notice that. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I believe that when we accept that same spirit and go in that spirit, we too will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make a people ready for the coming of the Lord. We cannot do that unless we go in the name and in the reality of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit. I need to get to some practical things. Again, this isn't as much designed to call you in, but to train you because you're already here. The filling was a dynamic characteristic within the early church. We, we say it around here, it's not original to us, but it's unusual that we will trust a Bible that the New Testament church didn't have and refuse the spirit which they did have. Isn't that odd? We trust the Bible that they didn't have anything like it in their hands, but they had the spirit of God. We have now trusted a Bible and refused that same spirit. It's an unusual reality, but it, but it, it is absolutely true. So we need to understand a few things about the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a little bit of a question that I hope in, in a small way to be able to clear up. They were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And it, this is what it says, Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. He's talking about disciples here. He's talking about those who were in the center of this story in the early days of the church in the beginning of Acts. But when we turn to Acts chapter 4 and there has been, they've been arrested and now they're back together and they're praising God, they're singing and they're doing all these things. This is the same group of people. This isn't a new group of people. This is the same ones who have been arrested and now they're back together in Acts chapter 4. Verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. I want to, I want to tell you, at least from that scripture to me, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I teach it from my perspective, and I will certainly can stand corrected if I'm not right in this, but I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me every single day. I have been immersed in him, but, but I do know that, I better choose my words uh, correctly, but we know that walking in this world, it's very difficult to stay full. So every day we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill me. You've set before me a day that I cannot live. 
I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I am not emotionally intuitive enough to live the day that you set before me. But, but thank you, Lord. You never asked me to live it. So I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me so that he can live it through me. So that at the end of my day, the end of my story today is the reality of him in his presence and not me. That is a daily request because it says they were filled. And then in Acts chapter 4, it says that they were filled again. I want to tell you, I don't, I don't see any conflict in the reality of the teaching of God because we, we ask him every day, each day, let me be filled with the Spirit of God because today you need to be ministered to out of the overflow instead of what's in, what the emptiness inside me. When I am filled with the Spirit and I open my mouth in obedience to Him, what are you going to get? You're going to get the Spirit of God. If, I, if I'm filled with the love of God and I open my heart, what are you going to get as the overflow? You're going to get the love of God. I need to be filled. I need to be overflowing so that you don't get the residue of me, but you get the abundance of Him. This is not hard. This is the reality of what the Christian life and the church was designed to be. So we can be filled, but we need to understand that's not a one-time thing. We're filled again. It was the characteristic and actually the accommodation of men in that early church. Barnabas got it, as he said, and gave his land and wealth away. The deacons, when they were first chosen, it says that they, each one was filled with the Spirit of God. The church at Galatia, we see a church it happening to them, were filled with the Holy Ghost upon their acceptance. And listen to this carefully. This is talking about you, me, but particularly us. And I wish it was the us of the entire church. We will never regain our rightful position. We will never regain our rightful place in this amazing story until we allow the Holy Spirit to become the defining characteristic of our individual lives and then collectively of this church. We will not step into our rightful place in the changing of nations, in the changing of communities, in the changing of schools, until we collectively let the Holy Spirit become that defining characteristic as it was in that early church. Also, we must be willing to live and comply with certain conditions if we want to be filled. Talked about this in Sunday school. Then they said, well, Randy, that's, you seem like you're creating conditions around this and it's going to be hard to accomplish. I want us to understand what these conditions are. First of all, we must desire to be filled for His glory. I watch, and you do too, and this is why it's gotten so hard to convince someone to accept these kind of things because so much of what was claimed to be the filling of the Holy Spirit was done selfishly. I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second and, and you may not even know what I'm talking about and that probably will be best. I get a lot of requests, people sending me videos of certain preachers and teachers that have kind of made these major discoveries and breakthroughs in understanding the Bible, especially that tell us about things that are going to happen prophetically. I get these. Uh, I have one source that sends me a lot of these videos, and it will be a pastor, and he will have this new breakthrough, 
and understanding about something that they have discovered in the scripture going to tell us what's going to happen in the next five years with the economy, with the nation, with the world. And I start listening. And I want to tell you, if God gave that kind of revelation, I want it to be the very first thing out of their mouth. I don't want them to hold me in suspense. I don't want to build up because if God has given something that dynamic, I want you to be shouting it from the rooftop so everybody will know. And the minute they say, if you want to know what it is, buy this book. I, sh I, I shut whatever I'm watching. I'll turn it off because I will not watch them prostitute those things they discovered of God and put them on sale. I won't do it. What happens in those moments? And I would encourage you to be careful when they do it. When they start trying to sell that which God has given to them freely, instead of just openly giving it, they are not filled with the Holy Spirit that will glorify God. They are filled with the Spirit that will somehow serve them and hold them in this place of prominence and if necessary, fill their pocket. I'm not listening. I don't care how great the idea is. If their purpose doesn't come out of their mouth like that, I want to tell you, I'm not listening very long. Because if God's announced it and it's this dynamic and this great, why in the world am I holding people in suspense and trying to get them to buy something or even listen to me another hour to finally get to the place where I tell them the truth and what that is. I t it, it bothers me and I won't do it because I know they may be filled with the Spirit and what they have received may be absolutely true. But if they're going to hold it hostage until I sit through their hour or I buy their book to discover what it is, I'm not listening very long. If God reveals something to me, it's coming straight out of my mouth as fast as I can tell you. And I will tell you, not as, I don't think there's anybody in here who's ever sent me one of those videos. Thank you. <laughs> I've received some good ones from you, but not, not a single one of them like that. Here's the reality. of, of it's just, This is Philippians 1.20. As we seek his filling, it must be so that Christ may be magnified in our bodies, whether by life or by death. That's the reality of the filling of the Holy Spirit, that Christ will be magnified. The second condition is we must bring clean vessels when we ask for his filling. That seems really very simple and very obvious. If there is unconfessed sin, if we need to come before the Lord and empty ourselves first, that's perfectly right. Because before we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, we need to consider what we're asking. Am I asking him to come occupy a filthy place? God has a great desire to put that spirit of himself in a clean vessel. The third thing is we must count the cost and be ready to let the Holy Spirit do as he will with us and through us. You can't say, Lord, fill me. And then hold yourself back in reserve. It won't work. It won't work. If you don't already have a heart that has counted the cost and say, I recognize that by the reality of the filling of the Holy Spirit, that my life no longer belongs to me, I will count that cost. Because when I say, Lord, fill me with, with your spirit, I have to equally be ready because we can hold back nothing. Every part of us must yield. And then the fourth one, we must by faith appropriate that which we have been given against these needs. Faith is what allows it to happen. Faith that whatever I see here, God has it or will never become the conduit by which the spirit can flow. If we don't recognize the reality of faith that says I see it and I know someone who's big enough to answer it, 
If we don't get that and appropriate faith against that moment, there will be a block in the conduit and it will not flow. But here's the big one. Here's the fifth one. We must then walk according to faith. We must walk believing that that filling has occurred. Listen to this. Go with me if you'd like to on this one. This is Romans chapter 8. I've been teaching this in earnest in, uh, in, the, in Bible study. Romans chapter 8. I'll begin reading with verse 16. It says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What does that mean? We've taught that incorrectly for a long time. We have taught that the way that works is that I'm on this journey and the Holy Spirit comes and announces to me that we are the sons of God. It's by his announcement that I know that that's true. That's not what that scripture says. That scripture says that as I walk as a son of God, as I walk as, I walk as a child of God, then the Holy Spirit comes and bears witness with me, comes and joins me in that walk to confirm in me that I am a child of God. But it requires my walking. It requires my moving under the belief that I am a child of God so that then the Holy Spirit can come and bear witness to me of that truth. I will tell you it's exactly the same way about being filled with the Spirit. When I ask Him, I have to walk as if I believe with all my heart and know that when I ask him, his answer was yes. So I begin to walk a life that it demonstrates my belief that the Spirit has filled me. And what will the Holy Spirit then come and do? Come with me, bear witness to me that that which I believe and have now put my faith in is true and he will make it become real. But we have to walk believing that that which I just asked when I asked him to fill me actually occurred. That's appropriating faith against this truth. I have to walk knowing that that which I just asked God to do. Why would he ever tell me no, by the way? Why would God ever tell me no if I have put myself before him, that this vessel is clean, I have come and confessed those things, he's been faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, I bring this vessel before him and I ask him to fill me. When would he ever tell me no when he's looking across the face of the earth toward any man, boy, girl, or woman who is willing to have this perfect heart and become this conduit from his power to the needs of mankind why would he ever say no to that person? He hasn't. So we walk under the reality that what I ask him to do, he has actually done. And I need for you to hear me. This is so much of what God had asked me to share with you. Open your mouth and he will fill it. Open your hands and he will touch others. Open our hearts and he will love. But here is this imperative reality. If you ask, he will feel. We now have to walk. Even if you do not feel a rush of emotion or a dynamic change. This was the conversation I had with Shorty. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was first filled with the Holy Spirit sitting right here. I could place myself in the same position. I would love to have the, the, the testimony of, 
of Heidi Baker. I'd love to have the, the testimony, David Hatley in Fort Worth, standing there and just trying to figure out how to get out of this men's prayer meeting because he realized that they were, they were doing things that kind of freaked him out. And he was standing against there trying to figure out where the closest exit was. Somebody came over and talked to him and he said, you know, what's, what's going on? He said, well, I, you know, I don't know much about this Holy Spirit stuff. And everybody was real quiet, 25 men praying. And the guy begins to wave at the pastor and said, we got one over here who doesn't know it. And he saw all the, all the attention he didn't want, he now has. And he said, I was looking for an exit from the place. And he said, he made the decision within himself, I'm staying, I don't care, I'm not going to run this time. I'm not going to run. So he stood there as they began to pray over him. And he said, they told him afterwards, he said, they thought he was going to lift up off the floor. He said, I was so my toes because I saw this fire coming from heaven. I'd love to have that testimony. I don't have it. I would love for the moment when I received the Holy Spirit to look just like that. I'd love for there to have been a flame over my head. I would have had that physical reality. But I want to tell you, as much as I desire that, I can let that destroy my faith and believe that anything happened or I can walk out the reality that I know sitting right here, I received the Holy Spirit and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the greater evidence is not what happened in that moment. It's been what's happened in the journey since. That's the evidence. What's happened in the journey since then. To be able to hear the voice of God, to know the will of God, to be able to stand under an anointing and preach the, the heart of God. It's not what happened in that moment. I wanted it. I wished something different. And God said, either, either you believe in this moment that that happened and you walk this out. And the minute I began to walk, that Holy Spirit that, that was given to me in that moment began to bear witness with me that that which I had asked for had actually occurred. I still have many questions. I still have things I'm going to ask God someday, whys and why nots. But it will not change this reality that I asked God to fill me. He said yes. He would not have told me no. And I'm going to walk out that reality in faith if I never see a fire coming from heaven. We must go our way reckoning, believing that we are filled. The days pass and we realize that we have been filled because there's power there. Our lives have produced fruit. That was my conversation with Shorty. What's happened since? And I watched Shorty and Teresa and I watched this manifest reality of God. Just like I watch it in many, many of you and see what God is doing. That's the great evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And notice this, when Jesus was in this crowd and there was a woman who touched the hem of his garment and he said these strange words, you know, something has gone out from me, virtue has left me. Her faith in touching his garment brought healing to her who had tried everything else. And Jesus recognized in the moment, he didn't do anything, but something had left him. Every time we minister, when we're filled with the Spirit, we will know by the virtue of that truth that we have released something. We didn't do anything. We released something because we were filled with His presence. I want to tell you the nature of ministry dynamic cha dynamically changes when we stop trying to do and we, and we recognize that all I can do is release the reality of Him into somebody else's story and the conduit is there, clean, straight, and ready 
the power of God now has the ability to touch the hearts of men. What an exciting reality. Simple, powerful, and true. I don't know where you stand this morning. In this, I don't know how this hits you. I don't know if you have already been filled. I, if you have, please walk it. Just examine the fruit and realize that what God has already done. If you're skeptical, that's okay. Stop and pray. When you leave here at home, saying, God, show me the truth of this question. Am I filled with your spirit? It's okay wherever you are. As long as God's truth strikes us this morning and we recognize that where we are, we're in on a journey that will bring us into this truth because God is looking for your life to become that conduit between His power, His love, and this great need. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just move in this moment. I don't have a plan for what you will do now. I just need to ask you in this moment to do what only you can do. Touch lives. Move by your spirit into places that are empty to fill them. If there's testimonies that need to be given, that you will loose that voice and let that testimony come. Whatever you choose to do in these next few minutes, we ask you now, Lord, to just come in all that you have planned and do in us what, what is, what's your will and your purpose. In Jesus' name.